What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris. You might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity-affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jesse, a sensory integration trained SLP, owner of a top rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity affirming ways to support social emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Hello, and welcome to Making the Shift. Today, we are here with the one and only Melanie Weber. And Melanie is an SLP. She is on my team. She's a program advisor for our sensory program. And it's been awesome getting to work with her and even more awesome because she has these very unique specialty areas that have been super helpful for the parents and therapists in our programs that I wanted her to share with you guys and where she really shines is in Gestalt language processing. So we have had so many great conversations about how to know if a Gestalt language processor is dysregulated, what are those signs? And that's what we're gonna give you today. We are going to give you four signs that a Gestalt language processor is dysregulated. I'm so excited when I realized the connection between Gestalt and sensory, it literally just opened this whole new door. So I'm so excited to get to tell people about it because I think it's so important. Yes. And I think that's a question we get a lot from people. We might, we get a lot of people who are trained in GLP, Gestalt language processing in my head, I'm putting it in parentheses that we're doing a lot of dictation these days. <laughs> and they say like, okay, I'm using this language approach. When am I going to see progress? And it doesn't really matter the language approach you're using if a child isn't regulated, right? Like, well, obviously we want to use the language approach that fits them, but our number one goal really is to get a child regulated because that's when we're going to see their language really grow and develop. But today we are going to talk specifically about GLPs being dysregulated. So Melanie, hit us with the number one sign that a GLP is dysregulated. I really think, and people are going to be like, okay, sure, that's obvious. But when kids are, you know, two, three past that point of that initial word, and they're still non-speaking, that's a really good indicator. And I have a very specific client in mind. We may can like do another uh, session just all about him because like his story is so fascinating. It's really what brought me into the connection between sensory and gestalt. But, you know, when they're not speaking, a lot of gestalts are intonational based and they could be these long scripts. And if their motor plan, if they're really young, if their motor plan is not supporting that, it may just look like, you know, they're not speaking at all or they speak, but it's, they use the, they're babbling a lot or they use the jargon and you're not hearing those big words, but I've had GLPs just be completely silent. And that doesn't feel like a GLP because we listen for that intonational pattern in their language. But when they're dysregulated, you know, they often just choose not to speak at all. And we know that a lot with autistic people choosing the to be selectively mute when they're dysregulated. So to me, that totally makes sense. That's such a good point. I 
hadn't even really thought about the connection between the younger kids and then older adults also choosing to be non-speaking when they're dysregulated. So that's a great point. Okay, so being non-speaking is sign number one. What is sign number two? What's behind door number two? Behind door number two, you have children who have very specific gestalts that, I mean, they're, they're telling you and they communicate when they're dysregulated, but it may not be a very literal phrase. So I had this one client, he was 17 years old and he had a lot of language, but when he would get dysregulated, he had this one script that he would go through and it was vampires, Halloween, nightmare before Christmas. And I love Halloween. So I was like, yes, we have some kinship. Let's talk about Halloween. And I brought it up to his mom and she was like, he hates Halloween. I was like, oh no, he was petrified. And so I was able to really like take a step back and look at his body language. And when he would go into that script of vampires, Halloween, nightmare before Christmas, he was telling me he was scared, but specifically he was more describing anxious. I feel like, like he was getting overstimulated and I would ask him, he had a gestalt called, you know, I want my white iPad. And so I would say like, do you need to take a break? And normally in, th in his ABA therapy, he would get the white iPad when he would take a break. So I would look and I was like, ah, it looks like you need a break. And he would go, I need the white iPad. I was like, that's it. He was, he did need a break. Like he clearly did. It took me months. It wasn't like this. I'm not the superstar therapist that figured this out in two days. Like this was months. I, I can't tell you how many Halloween sessions I had planned before I realized he hated Halloween. It was not good. That reminds me of a boy I worked with. I want to say he was like, Ah, uh, three, four, maybe four at the time. And I didn't, it took me a while to realize this too, but he used to say, that's a green apple. And like this really like clear tone, it was that way every time he said it. And that just meant no, that's all it meant. And he had been through a couple of years of feeding therapy. And that was just my guess of where that maybe came from was like, that's a green apple and meant no. And then all of a sudden it meant no everywhere. And I always knew that he was like on the verge of becoming very dysregulated when he said that. That's so okay. amazing that you're able to put that together. It takes a really flexible thinker to think of, of that one. I mean, once I asked his mom about Halloween, I'm like, oh, oops, but like, that's a green apple. You would never think that he was meaning no, but that takes really getting to know a child to learn those specific gestalts for sure. Yes. So definitely. So number two is identifying, are there very specific gestalts that they use in those moments of dysregulation or right before you feel like they're going to be getting dysregulated? And what is behind door number three? To me, another sign and you you know when they're dysregulated too when you're taking our good language samples right we always talk about with gestalt processors to take really great language samples not just what they say but what you say and I always take it a step further and write down kind of the situation or how they're appearing and another key is not only just using very specific gestalts but if you start to notice a drastic shift in the types of gestalts they're using so uh, and when I mean shift like a reverring Reverting. Reverting. That's the word. Reverting back to earlier stages. So I've worked with clients who we were working on grammar. They were in stages four and five, but then they would come to my session and only communicate in stage one or stage two. 
And it was such a drastic shift for that one client in particular that I asked mom, you know, how was his day today? And she was like, oh, it was horrible. He woke up at 2 a.m. He wouldn't go back to sleep. Then they had picture day at school. And it was just like all of these things. And I started to notice through my language samples with this kid, I could predict when he was dysregulated too, when I would just see these drastic, you know, reverts back to earlier stages. And it was very specific for him. It was always hickory dickory dock. And so he would just want to play and only do hickory dickory dock. And we were, like I said, we were working on grammar and he would do a lot of like mix and match with me. But when we were doing hickory dickory dock, I could not change it or he would get so mad. Like if I tried to do any type of mitigation or change the words in any way, he would like scream this like guttural scream at me. And then it was over. <laughs> and, um, I finally learned just let him play hickory dickory dock or just work on sensory instead, like put the language aside for a minute until he got back to where he could, you know, handle that transition. And at that point, it's probably also a coping mechanism, you know, that he had to go through the whole song and he had to go through his routine. Um, but that's such a great point is that we would see that kind of reverting back to earlier stages because we think about the brain and what is the brain's role? We It is to keep us alive. It is survival, right? That it's the brain's number one function is to protect us. So we talk about the connection in sensory and language and when we're not regulated, we don't have access to the upstairs brain, the logical thinking brain. We can't come up with that you know, flexible language. So we revert to doing things that are safe and doing things that, um, because we're dysregulated and our goal there is to protect ourselves. So staying in that comfort zone of like, this is me emotionally coping and moving through it. Yeah, great point. And what is our last one? The last one, a lot of times we know a gestalt processor is dysregulated if we see really either slow progress or more of a plateau in their progress could be a really good sign. There is no like standard time frame when kids are going to move through different stages. But like Jesse said earlier, we know that when children are regulated, they're in that optimal learning zone. You know, it's easier for their brain to take in new information. So I would say if you're noticing that your gestalt processor seems to be plateauing or they haven't made a lot of progress lately, to look and check to see, you know, how regulated they are when you're modeling these, you know, gestalts, think about what time of day or, you know, there's so many things that could go into it, but you want to look at how regulated they are because the more regulated they are, the more likely they'll be in that optimal zone. And then they will, it'll be easier for them to, to learn. What am I talking about? But it'll be easier. Just it's everything is easier when you're in that state of optimal learning. Yeah. And just to put this into perspective for you guys, if if you have in mind GLPs who are autistic, autistic GLPs, we know that not every GLP is autistic, but if you are here and you were thinking about autistic GLPs, the percentage of autistic kids with sensory differences, studies show is up to 95%, right? So if you are working with an autistic kid who is a GLP, chances are that they do have sensory differences. And if those sensory differences aren't being, you know, if their needs aren't being met, if you don't know what those needs are, then chances are there will be lots of times when that child is dysregulated. So super important to figure out what their sensory needs are and then address those. And that should 
help them to bring them into that optimal zone and get them moving through the stages. Yeah. So those are like the four ways that I found in my practice that I've noticed when Gestalt processors are dysregulated. And it just was such a validation for me to just continue to put such an emphasis on sensory because they are mutually beneficial. When you work on sensory, kids are more regulated, they learn better. And then when they're talking more then they can tell you what their sensory needs are and they can advocate for those needs and they just work together so much to help a child, you know, really increase their quality of life. Absolutely. That was such a good summary and really brought in the key points of why this is so important. So let's just do a super quick recap. These are the signs a GLP may be dysregulated. One, non-speaking. Two, using really emotional scripts. Three, reverting back to earlier stages. And four, either making really limited progress or seeming to plateau in their progress. So we hope that this was really helpful for you. If you have any questions and you want to talk about this more, please reach out to us on social media. And Melanie's Instagram is melanieweber.slp. And DM her, ask her questions. We will bring her back to the show because we know that this is something that people love talking about. So thank you so much, Melanie, for being here. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.